Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. because of the traffic of the race, unable to get here. We actually have, it's a weird weekend, we have uh, some of our people are in England, some of our people are in Scotland, so everybody's taking the most of the summer vacation. Um, but the beautiful thing is the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And what always excites me every single Sunday is it doesn't matter who's here or who's not here, what matters is that God promises to be here. And if God is here, then God things, good things are going to happen. So, so God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for what you've already begun to do in the hearts and the lives of people. I thank you for the, the time of worship that we had and just the, the way that um, worship kind of prepares our heart and draws us closer to you. So I pray continue the work that you want to do in our lives through the words that I have to share in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know the, necessarily the, the psychological reasoning behind this, but there is something about humanity that loves underdog stories. Something about underdog stories, underdog movies, something about those things kind of captures our heart, and, and we just get drawn into the story of the underdog. And, and Hollywood has become quite aware of this, and Hollywood has kind of capitalized on this, and they realize that the best-selling movies, the most popular movies, are the underdog movies. I, I looked up this week some of the greatest underdog movies of ever. You may have your own list. Here are a few that I found. You have Rocky, all 17 versions of Rocky, starting from 1976. They're still making Rocky movies. Every single Rocky movie is an underdog movie. Then you have Rudy, a Notre Dame movie. You have Karate Kid. You have Kung Fu Panda, if you prefer animated movies. You have The Pursuit of Happiness, which is a great Will Smith movie before Will Smith slapped somebody. Then, for those of you hockey fans, you have Miracle. Do you believe in miracles? The U.S. men's 1980 Olympic hockey team. Then you have a little bit closer to home, Hoosiers. That was a great movie. And then you got to finish with Dodgeball, the true underdog story, because it's in the title. It's an underdog story, right? Now, as good as Hollywood is at making underdog movies, and you could literally come up with a list of a hundred more. I swear, like half of the movies ever made have, have something to do with, with the underdog. As good as Hollywood is at telling the underdog story, Hollywood cannot take credit for coming up with the idea of the underdog story. That credit and that credit alone belongs to God. God has been writing underdog stories from the beginning of time. Today we're concluding our series entitled, How to Handle Pain, Finding Healing in the Midst of Our Hurt. Throughout this series, what we've been dealing with is we've been dealing with the process 
that God uses to heal the hurts in our lives. So those things in our life that have caused us pain, in the very first message I talked about the different sources of pain that can happen in our lives, whether the pain in our lives it comes from bad decisions that we made, choices that we made, things that we regrettably did that we wish we never did, whether the pain comes from things that other people have said to us and the deep wounds that each of us carry because of the words that people have said against us, maybe the actions of others, maybe subtle actions, unintentional actions, or maybe very egregious and abusive actions. There's all sorts of ways in which we can experience pain, and this series has been talking about how do we discover that process, and how do we engage with the process of God healing the wounds in our life. And what's exciting is as we've been in this six-week series, this week being the sixth week, we've heard some incredible testimonies of God actually doing that here in our congregation. And I expect to hear even more and more of those testimonies. So today we're going to be concluding this series by talking about the underdog story that God wants to write in your life and in my life. And the underdog story that God wants to write in the areas of your life where you've experienced pain, hurt, abandonment, disappointment, rejection, accusation, unfair treatment, failure, and maybe shame. And what happens with all of these things is as we experience pain in our life, as we experience wounds, as maybe we make decisions that we, we wish we didn't make, as these wounds and as these pains accumulate in our life, the impact that they have, the effect that they have on our lives, is they kind of turn us more and more and more into an underdog. And the more wounds and the more pains that we have in our life, it's as if we become more and more of an underdog, less and less likely to be the hero, less and less likely to, to be productive and successful, less and less likely to live an overcoming and a victorious life. As, as the wounds accumulate, it's as if we become less and less likely that somehow this is going to turn out for good. A couple weeks ago, we had a fantastic message preached to us by April Bordeaux, who runs Care to Change Counseling Ministries here in this area. And the title of her messages was, The Lies Our Wounds Tell Us. And one of the lies that our wounds tell us is that our pain limits our potential. And I think all of us can recognize that. It's like if, if, if an athlete is injured, their potential for performing at the optimum level is just not there. And the more injured you are, the more hurt you are, the less potential you have. And so sometimes we kind of look at our wounds and we look at what we've been through and we adjust our potential and expectation for what we can do, what God can do, and what we should expect out of our life because of the things that we've been through. And what we're going to learn today is that God not only wants to heal the wounds in your life and my life, but He wants to rewrite your story. Wants to write a different ending to the story in your life. God has this kind of plot line or this storyline that He follows, and you see this repeated over and over in Scripture. It's the title of my message today, and I call it the Hurt Healed Healer Process. And this is what God does: is God steps into the life of a hurt person. 
And that hurt that they were experiencing in their life may again have come from rejection or abandonment or false accusations. You see all of these stories in the Bible. And they may be in a place of hurt, uh, but either by their own decisions or the decisions of other people. God steps into their life and He speaks words and His love and His grace and His mercy overflows them and they become healed. But that's not the end of the story. The complete process is God says, now that you have experienced my healing, I want to make you into a healer. I want to use you to heal others. I want to take that place of hurt and turn it into a place of ministry. I want you to go to the very people who've lived through what you've lived through or are living through what you have lived through, and I want you to bring them a message of hope. What we're going to see is we're going to see this very process in our Bible story this morning. Many of you are familiar with the story in John 4 of the woman at the well. And we're going to kind of be hopscotching our way through this story. And so you'll see the, the scripture on the screen behind me. It says, Now Jesus had to go through Samaria, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And then this whole conversation happens, and it's as, it's as if two people are talking about two complete different subjects. And so they have this conversation until finally they get on the same page. And Jesus says to the woman, Whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. And the woman, in her spiritual and emotional desperation, says, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. And they have a few more conversations and the disciples come back. And then it says this, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Now, to understand and really appreciate the context of this story, you have to understand the history of this woman's hurts. You have to understand the hurt in her life, kind of the historical context of her hurt, and what made her who she was. This woman had experienced hurt on so many different levels. First of all, as a Samaritan, she had lived through racial inequality. In those days, Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. Samaritans were looked down on. They were mistreated. Uh, the Jews, the ruling class, the preferred class in that day, wouldn't associate with a Samaritan. They wouldn't even walk through a Samaritan territory. They would walk around it. If they did have to travel through a Samaritan territory, they would never stop. Which, by the way, makes this whole story quite interesting. Because a rabbi, a, a righteous Jew, would never stop in a Samaritan area. So the fact that Jesus did alone tells us that he knew that God had him there for a reason. So she had experienced the pain of racial inequality in her life. And on top of that, she had experienced the pain of gender inequality. This story happened in a time in history where women were very much second-class citizens where women didn't have a voice. There was no such thing as a career woman or an independent woman. Women in those days depended on men. 
They were very much second-class citizens. And so the fact that a religious leader was even having a conversation with her was completely out of the norm. And she had lived in a culture of considering herself, because of her gender, a second-class citizen. She had experienced pain in her life because of the life choices that she had made. She had been married and divorced five times and was on her sixth man. We don't know what happened to all five of those relationships. We don't know which ones she chose to walk out of and which ones the man chose to walk out of. But we do know that in those days and in that season of time and in that culture that when a woman's husband died or left her, it meant that she was left destitute. Women didn't really have a pathway to economical independence. And so she had been abandoned and she had been hurt. And she had felt the shame of all of that. And that was the hurt and the wound that the woman carried when Jesus walks into her life and decides to rewrite her story by taking her from being hurt to being healed to using her as a healer of the very people who had inflicted her hurts on her. What we'll see today as we conclude this series is that the final step in God's healing process is that He causes us to become a healer of other people. The ultimate end of God's healing process in your life and my life is He says, now I want to use you to help other people experience what you experience. And I think of all of the works that God does, nothing is more powerful, nothing is more amazing than when God takes an area of brokenness in our life, an area that has been shattered and fractured and just stepped on and obliterated, and He takes that place of brokenness and He says, I'm going to take that area in your life and I'm going to turn it into an area of blessing. That I'm going to take the pain of your brokenness. I'm not only going to bring healing there, but out of that very place, I'm going to make a testimony that will cause others to believe in me. I don't think there's anything more powerful than God taking a place of hurt in our life where we have been hurt and injured. And He says, in that very location, in the middle of that story, I am going to create a well of healing. And people are going to be healed because of your story of hurt. And that's exactly what happened in the woman's life, and that's exactly what God wants to do in our life today, in the hurts and the pains that each and every one of us has experienced. So we're going to take a look, as we conclude this series, how God takes us from being hurt to being healed to being a healer of other people. So the first thing that happens in that process is that God changes our story into a testimony. Now, I have walked in the years that I've been in ministry, I've walked with a lot of people through the pain of divorce. And let me just say as an aside, if you are here today and you've been through that pain of divorce, I want to let you know I understand that. I understand both sides of that. I've walked with people who've made that decision, and I've walked with people who had somebody else make that decision, and they, they wish it never would have made. And I've seen that pain. You don't ever have a story of divorce without there being pain. So I want to thank you for your bravery in being here, and I want to let you know that God wants to heal that pain in your life. And if a single divorce is a story of pain, you've got to imagine that somebody who has been through five divorces 
had a whole lot of stories and had a whole lot of pain in her life. Jesus said to her, you've had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. So behind each one of those divorces was a story that involved hurt, pain, judgment, offense, rejection, and probably even a whole lot of regret that maybe that she got into the relationship in the first place, or regret that she didn't do better in the marriage, or regret that she should have never walked away. And then on top of all of just the generic pain that goes along with divorce, you kind of have to multiply that pain when you consider the context in which these divorces happen, the culture in which these divorces happen. She had been divorced five times in a culture where divorce did not happen very often, was very looked down upon in a a culture that that if you were divorced, you were kind of ceremonially unclean, you were kind of cast out because of that divorce. As I said earlier, if a woman wasn't involved in a divorce, it meant that she had no viable income in her life. So there was a lot of pain, a lot of shame, a lot of judgment uh, on top of just the normal pain with divorce because of the culture that she was in. And then you have to maximize that pain even further because all of those five divorces happened within the very same community. And for those of you who grew up in a small church community or a small town community, you know how much more painful it is when everybody in town knows about your failure, when everybody in the church knows about your shame. This was a day and age where it was rare for people to ever move a mile or two or five at the ten most away from the place that they were born in. So everyone knew everyone, and everyone knew everyone's story. And so when your story is filled with so much pain and so much shame, then it makes it that much more painful that everybody knows about it, which is exactly why the woman was alone at the well that day, and John makes sure put an emphasis on the, on the fact that she was at the well alone. You see, that was not the customary way of collecting water. In those day and age, what would happen is that the women would not go out by themselves at noon in the heat of the day to do one of the hardest jobs that they had. They would go out together for protection and for community, and they would go out in the cool of the day, in the morning and in the evening. But here we find a woman going out in the heat of the day all by herself. And the reason she was at the well all by herself is because everybody knew her story and nobody wanted to be part of it. And much like the woman, your pain and my pain produces a story in our life. And here's the problem with stories. The problem with every story is that there's a definitive end to every story. At some point in, in the, the storyline, the story ends. And there's a, the last chapter, the last paragraph, the last page, the last sentence, the last period. And it's over. The end. That's the end of the story. And once you're inside a story, and once a, a story ends, there, there's no way of escaping it. That's the story. That's how the story goes. We've all watched the movies that, that I, I share with. We all, we all know the ends of every story. You know the end of the story, and it's recorded forever. That's the story. And so when you have a story of pain, or you have a story of shame, or you have a story of rejection or regret, what happens 
is the last sentence is written, the last period is put on the story, the last page is turned, and that's it. That's the story. And many of us in the room today, we have stories in our life that we're locked in. Stories in our life that we're like, that's how the story goes. And then, and not only do we have these stories, these conclusive stories in our life that we look back on and we go, this happened and that happened and this happened and these are the stories of my life. But it's not just that we have these stories, but all of the pain associated with those stories continues to kind of echo in our lives. We remember those stories and we think about those stories. I was thinking about it last night when I was, I was in here praying for today's service and I thought to myself, wouldn't this be fantastic? If, like, I had the magical power to just snap my finger and say, oh, God, God gave me a message. And here was God's message to us today. You could take a look at the bookshelf of your life. Imagine your life as a big bookshelf. And every story in your life is an individual book. Highs and lows and the regrets and all of the things that people have done. Everything. You've got this big bookshelf of every story in your life. And God says, pick out five. Five stories that I'm going to remove from your life as if they never happened. Could you imagine? I'd have a hard time picking the five. I got, I've, got a, I've got a lot of stories that I wish weren't in the bookshelf of my life. Could you imagine if you had the opportunity today to go, I wish that never happened. I wish I never would have done that. I wish that person never would have hurt me that way. Imagine having that. But what God actually offers us is something much better than just removing the story from our life. He offers to step into our life. He offers to step into that story and says, will you let me rewrite that story into a testimony? It's actually a better outcome. Let me share with you the difference between a story and a testimony. A story is conclusive, but a testimony is is continual. There's no changing the outcome of the story. I look back on the mistakes that I've made in my life. I can't change them. The mistakes that I've made in my life can be turned from a story into a testimony. Because what the Bible tells us is that God is still working. What the Bible tells us is that He who began a good work in us will complete it. What the Bible tells us in Romans 8.28 is that God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. What the Bible tells us is He is the author and the perfecter of our faith, and He is still working and He is still writing. And what's different between a story and a testimony is that instead of a period, there's a dot, dot, dot. It's like turn the page. The difference between a story and a And a testimony is that a story is about what other people have done to you, but a testimony is about what God has done for you. See, the focus of the story is on the antagonist. The focus on the story is on the people in the story who have hurt you. Or what the the focus of the story is is the mistakes that you made. But God steps into the story and says, we're going to take, we're going to make this story about me. We're going to make this story in your life about what I've done, how I've redeemed, how I've forgiven, how I've shown you mercy, how I have created a place of brokenness into a place of blessing. This story is going to become a testimony because it's going to be about me and not about other people. The difference between a story and a testimony is that a story is about what other people have said about you or what other people say about you, what people think about you, or what people have, what, what people have, how people feel about you, but a testimony is all about what God says about you. 
What changes the story to the testimony is that where other people may have rejected you or shamed you or hurt you, God comes along and says, I see you. I see you as worthy. I see you as lovely. One of the most amazing things that happened on that day when Jesus spoke with the woman, not for the very first time in a long time, she had a man look at her with grace. She had a man look at her with no shame in his heart. He had a man look at the, she had a man look at her not as a piece of property, but as a beloved daughter. And in that moment, for the very first time in a long time, the story of how people thought of her was changed just by how Jesus looked at her. A story is about the pain that you've suffered, but a testimony is about the purpose that God has planned. When you remember the stories, the regrettable stories, the painful stories in your life, you think about the pain. But when that pain becomes a testimony, all of a sudden you realize there's a purpose here. God is doing something here. A story is filled with regret, but a testimony is filled with rejoicing. There are stories on the bookshelf of my life that I definitely regret. But God is able to step into those stories and He said, I can actually bring you to the place where you rejoice that I've worked this story out for good. And finally, a story is something that you don't want to be told. But a testimony is something that you gladly declare. A story is something that you go, oh man, oh man, I, I hope I hope nobody tells this story again. A couple years ago, I was on a missions trip with my sister who lives in Canada. And I love my sister, but my sister doesn't have a filter. And so my sister kept telling stories about me that I didn't want people to know. I'm like, Rhonda, would you just shut up? Like, I don't want people knowing, I don't want people knowing those stories. But a testimony, you'll shout it from the mountaintop. And those stories that you wish nobody ever hears are the very things that God can turn into a testimony. And you can say, let me tell you about what God has done in my life. See, God is in the business of turning stories into testimonies. It says in our story today that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. Prior to this day, because of her story, nobody ever believed her. Nobody ever paid attention to her because of her story. But on this day, it was her testimony that led them to Christ. So, in closing to this first point, let me say two things that are required of us in order for God to turn our stories into a testimony. And the first one is we have to be willing to give ourselves and to give our stories and to release our stories to God. Throughout this series, we've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about trust. We've talked about coming out from behind our defense mechanisms and our walls of security. And in order for God to turn our stories into testimonies, we have to kind of take our story and say, God, take this. Take this pain, take this hurt, take this rejection and do something bad. And instead of kind of holding on to it and burying it and putting it in a safe place where nobody will see it, we actually have to take it out of the dark and bring it into the light and go, God, do something with this. I've had it in the dark hiding it, but it keeps hurting me. We have to be willing. And the other thing we have to be willing to do is we have to wait. See, sometimes it takes time for God to rewrite a story. Moses defended a Hebrew in Egypt and killed a man. And then he spent the next 40 years tending sheep 
in the desert while God was rewriting his story. It took God 40 years to do whatever he needed to do to get Moses to the point where he would say, okay, now, now I'm going to return you to your destiny. And what I've seen happen a lot of times in our lives is we get impatient with God. And we have these stories, and we try to defend ourselves. We try to rewrite our stories. We try to do it on our own and prove ourselves. And meanwhile, we just need to wait, and we need to recognize that we are the paper, and He is the pen. And we need to give Him time to rewrite the stories. And so what I want to encourage you to do as we close this first point is to maybe say, God, what story in my life do you want to rewrite? What regrettable story in my life do you want me to pull off the bookshelf and hand to you and say, God, this event, this hurt, this pain, would you take that? Please take that story and rewrite it into a testimony. Second point is that God changes your pain into your power. See, we tend quite naturally to see our places of pain as a place of weakness, right? It only makes sense that if you have pain in your knee or pain in your shoulder or pain in your back, that's not going to be a place of strength. Someone once said the, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. Whatever is true in this natural world is the opposite is true in the kingdom of God. And so the, the Bible tells us that when, when we are weak, He is strong. Or you could say where we are weak, He is strong. And so the weakness that this woman had in her life as a result of the life that she lived was that she had no credibility. She had no influence in her community, as was evident by the fact that she was left behind. She had no influence, she had no credibility, and she really had no visibility. Really, because of the life that she had lived in her community, she just didn't have any... People, people overlooked her. We have people in our community like that, right? That we just overlook. We just don't think they have anything to contribute. So no one would believe a word that came out of her mouth. No one trusted her, or no one thought she had anything valuable to add to the equation. So in, in every way, she had become a persona non grata. She was there, taking up space, but she had no influence. And that was her weakness. How could someone who nobody includes and nobody listens to, how could somebody who is that weak in that area of influence ever be used of God? And Jesus comes along, not only does he heal the woman, he says, I'm going to take your area of weakness, which is having no credibility and having no voice. I'm going to take that and I'm going to use you to be the one who influences your whole community to come to Christ. By valuing her, by healing her, he says, you're going to be the one that leads them to me. What I want you to know is that God doesn't just want to heal your wound, but He wants to transform the places of pain into your life to places of power. One of the very first scriptures that I memorized is 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And what Paul was saying is that when you take a look at the cross, when you take a look at the Messiah hanging on the cross and dying on the cross, the idea that that would be anything that you would want to tell, that that would be anything but a source of failure, abject failure, that's what the world looks at and thinks it's failure. But 
what Paul says is the message of the cross may be foolishness to those who are looking at it, but the reality is, is that symbol of weakness, that symbol of defeat, that symbol of death is of the very source of power that us believers have. That God stepped into a place of death and brokenness and defeat and by the breath of resurrection healed Jesus Christ, raised Him from the grave, and now it is the cross in which all of us find salvation. It's foolishness unless you understand how God turned that place of pain into a place of power. And that is exactly what God wants to do in your life. He wants to take the places of pain in your life. And He wants to make them a place of power so that He can impart to you an anointing, a grace, an empathy, a wisdom that you have so that you can come alongside someone else who has experienced the pain of being sexually abused and you can say, let me tell you my testimony. Let me tell you what God has done in my life and how He's taken my shattered sexuality and He's put it back together. And you can have the power, having lived through that, to bring healing to another person. I've been hurt by the church. I've been thrown out of the church and I've had a bad experience with the church. But let me tell you about God, how God healed me, how God restored my faith in the church. You know how many people in our community today have been hurt by the church? and are walking around with a church hurt story that needs to be turned into a testimony. And what you've gone through, if you've gone through church pain, but God has turned that into a testimony, you now have the power to reach those people. Maybe you've been through a job loss, a business failure, a bankruptcy, and you've seen God come into your life and restore that and, and bless you. You now have the power and a testimony to step into other people's lives and to minister to them. So right now in this room, for each person that is, is in this room and for each person that is online, everybody who is here, I need you to see yourself as a power source for the kingdom of God. But the most painful and hurtful things that you have gone through are the most powerful places of your life. If you will allow God the freedom to take that story and turn it into a testimony, you will have the power to save other people, to heal other people, to encourage other people, to be the one person that walks in to a place of brokenness in somebody else's life and bring blessing. And that's what God wants to do in your life. God wants to take what the enemy meant for harm and He wants to turn it into good. God doesn't just heal things, He empowers things. And God wants to turn you into an empowered healer the other places of pain in your life. Here's the last thing that I want to share with you today, that God changes your rejection into your promotion. Your rejection into your promotion. I, uh, I kind of have a good uh, imagination, a colorful imagination, so I often think in word pictures. So I want you to imagine with me, if you could, two very different pictures, and we find both these pictures in this story, and they are completely juxtaposed to one another. Two very interesting pictures, and the first picture is this. The sun rises, still the cool of the day, and all of the ladies in the village start chitter-chattering, start laughing, start gathering like a gaggle of geese, and they grab their jars, and they laugh, and they kid, and they joke, and they walk to the well. 
I want you to imagine the woman being left behind. Not included in the group. Left behind by the group. See that image and feel that image. Imagine the feeling of what it's like to be excluded as you watch all of the other women in the community go out together and you are left behind. It is the first picture that we see in this story. By the end of the story, the picture completely changes. Jesus has this encounter with the woman at the well. He brings healing in her life. And here's the next image I want you to imagine. It says she left her jar behind and she went back into the community. She tells everyone, hey, let me tell you about the man that I met who told me everything that I have done. And here's the second image. The woman walking out to the well for the second time in the very same day, but this time she's not alone. And this time she's not at the behind, she's at the front. She's leading the whole community to Christ. That's the picture that we see in this story. See, what happens in our life is that emotional wounds and the pains that happen to us, they don't just affect us emotionally, they, they affect us kind of positionally. Like the more we are wounded, kind of the more separated that we get. The lower on the totem pole our wounds push us. We just don't expect to be used. We don't expect to be promoted. We don't expect to be successful because the wounds kind of pile up. And you can see with every divorce, it was as if the woman was one step further than the whole crowd. Maybe some of you have found yourselves in a place of pain, feeling as if you're not quite part. And you're behind, not with or not ahead. Here's what Scripture tells us. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Here's what happens. When we allow God into our lives, when we allow God to rewrite our testimonies, when we say, God, here are the painful things in my life, He'll turn our rejection into a promotion and He will position us in places of influence. There's something very important to understand about God. God is the ultimate strategist. And and like a a chess master moving pieces around, God wants to move you and I into places of promotion and into places of influence. He wants to move you into a place where you will be able to influence other people. Where instead of being somebody who is a victim, you are a person who who is bringing victory. You are more than a conqueror. You are now a minister. That is what God wants to do in your life. Think about what God did with Jesus, positionally and promotion-wise. Jesus was dead in the grave, and God promoted Him from the grave to the throne of heaven. Talk about a promotion. In the Old Testament, you have Joseph. Joseph who was in prison, and then he becomes the prince of Egypt. And then you have the thief on the cross. Here is a cool one. The thief on the cross was was in a place of guilt. I mean, you can't get more of an image of guilt than hanging on the cross with your crime written above your head, right? He was in a position of guilt. Because he defended Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, you're due for a promotion. I'm going to promote you from the guilty position to the glorified position. Today you'll be with me in paradise. But in the life and the story of the woman at the well, she got a promotion from being left out to being a leader of others. 
and ultimately that God wants that to happen in your life. But whatever position you've lost or whatever position you're in because of the hurts and pains that have happened in your life, God wants to take those things and say, I'm going to promote you into a place of influence and complete the hurt, healed, healer process. I'm going to encourage the band to come forward now. As I said, we've been in this series for six weeks, and we've been talking a lot about what God wants to do in our life. And as I said, we've had some, some amazing testimonies of, of God doing that. So I just want to encourage you to honestly and intentionally engage with the healing process. I think there is hope available. I want you to know this morning that no matter what your story is, God can rewrite it into a testimony. The other thing that I want to say is that as a church, that we are a place that demonstrates the grace, the mercy, and the patience to walk with people in the midst of their story until it becomes a testimony. Some places will only allow you to come in once you have a testimony. Once you're all cleaned up and on the other side. We want to be a place that welcomes people when they're in the midst of the story. When the brokenness is still happening and the pain is still happening and the effects of the mistakes are still there and you walk in through those doors feeling shame, we want to be a place where we would say, no, you're welcome. Come on in here. And for however long it takes for your story to be turned into a testimony, we will walk with you through that process. This is a place of grace. This is a place of trust. This is a place of humility. Because I want you to know that the position I am in today, I would not be in if it would not be for the healing of God in my life. And He's done that in my life. And so we're going to give God the time to do that in your life. And so know that today. You don't have to be somebody that you're not yet. Don't try to be something that you're not yet. Just be the paper and say, God, rewrite this story in your testimony. I'll give you the time to do that. I'm going to have the prayer team come forward now. We, we're going to go into a, a time of reflection and response. So you're welcome to do a few things. Uh, we have communion at the back of the room. If you want to take communion now, there are communion supplies at the back of the room, and you can take your time to do that. If you're here today and you just feel God kind of putting His finger on a, on a story in your life that He wants to rewrite into a testimony, then I want to encourage you to come forward and have uh, uh, some of the people on the prayer team pray for you. Worship team is going to lead us in the last song. So let's stand together as I pray. So God, I invite you to continue your healing process. He who began a good work in us will complete it. So I just declare in the name of Jesus Christ over each of our lives that it is not the end. Over every story in each of our lives, it's like to see this image of God taking a red pen and like crossing out the period. And just saying, no, that's not the end of the sentence. It's not the end of the paragraph. It's not the end of the chapter. It's not the end of the story. And so, God, in each of our lives, make that edit. Those things that we thought are conclusive in our life today give us the hope that they are continual. That you can continue to work and bring healing in those areas of our life. And as we sing this song, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to move in our lives.